We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Grinders and Vegas Insiders? I'm Holden Kushner with Dan Bach from Roto Grinders and Kevin Rogers from VegasInsiders.com. Week nine already for lines and lineups. Week nine. I'm so sad, guys. It's going too fast. It always does. You know, like Tuesday through Saturday goes too slow, and then Sunday comes, and it's all over. Uh, boys, how is it going? I know K-Rodge had a wonderful experience in Atlantic City. Dan Bach is traveling the country right now. He's at home, of course. Start with you, K-Rodge. What's going on? You survived AC. Yes, it's good to be back. And we had some business to take care of last week. And Atlantic City, uh, it was nice to come home. So that's all I can say about <laughs> did that. You, did you at least get to use all the mobile sports books and stuff up there in, in Jersey? We stayed at the resorts, uh, which is on the boardwalk, and they had the DraftKings Sportsbook up there. That was really nice, actually. Okay. And they had the kiosks there that uh, it's amazing. It, it really is. You know, when you go out to Vegas and you, know, you go up to the counter and you have very few choices of what you can bet, and then you go to these kiosks, and we were there for the first two nights of the World Series and the NBA starting. And for the choices you have, like an NBA game – Forget about betting quarters, but betting all these different props in a sense, uh, you know, and same thing with the NHL first goal scorer in these games. It, it, it was limitless, and it was definitely a really cool thing. They had a nice sports book there with the DraftKings. There was a nice one at Bally's uh, a few doors down. So they've done a nice job there. That was my first time in New Jersey, well, A, ever, but B, since they've legalized sports gambling. And uh, some of those places, it's really nice. You have a lot of choices. Did you put any money down on the upcoming dart tournament? I did not, but I think I saw it there in the kiosk. Yeah, I, I saw I to pass on it. <laughs> saw the lines on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Dan. How are you doing, buddy? You know, it's funny you said that because I think there was one point in time somebody mentioned to me, like, what did you think about fantasy darts? And I was like, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. There Why is not? no market there for it. Um, it's, it's going well. It's going well. Um, yeah, it's going to be a busy week. I got uh, Nashville coming up this week and then uh, heading to New York uh, for a couple days next week. So, a little bit of travel mixed in this time of year. And, uh, and yeah, it's just rolling right along. As someone that was born in New York, this is the time to go. Summertime is the worst. It smells like hot garbage. It's just disgusting. Uh, now you can go and have a good time. Anyways, we've got five games coming up here that we will preview from a sports betting side and then a 
Of course, DFS side, as we do every single week, we'll get the Bears at the Eagles, Indianapolis at Pittsburgh, the Jets going to Miami, Tampa Bay at Seattle, and then we'll wrap it up with Minnesota and Kansas City. Uh, Guys, let's start with you here, K-Raj. we got Chicago at Philadelphia, 1 o'clock game. Eagles, five-point favorites over-under is 43. You know, Trubisky, the good news for him is he's not turning the ball over. The bad news is he's doing absolutely nothing else. Nagy's going to stick with him this week. Philadelphia's getting healthy in the secondary. Um, and on the other side, the Bears are actually sticking with the run for one week. And Nagy said he liked to how the team performed. They're on the right track. The problem is, I think this week, they're running into the wrong type of defense. So, Kevin, uh, Chicago, Philadelphia, Eagles minus five over under 43. Yeah, Holden, this is a playoff rematch from last year, the wild card game at Soldier Field that Chicago had in the bag before the Eagles scored late and the Bears missed that field goal, heard round the world, and Philadelphia advanced to the second round and they did it with Nick Foles. So now the Bears will see Carson Wentz this time around. And uh, obviously Chicago did not forget that loss to Philadelphia. Now the Bears flip to a road underdog, and the Bears are 2-0 and so far this year in true road games. Granted, it was against Denver and Washington because the Oakland game was in London as a quote-unquote road game. But I think coming off of these two home losses to the Saints and to the Chargers and the L.A. game they should have won, that uh, I was like taking teams on the road off back-to-back Home losses, I think getting away from home is a good thing for Chicago. And even though they got a lot of work to do in the NFC North behind Green Bay and Minnesota, that uh, Chicago can maybe still try to salvage their season. And for Philadelphia, they're right there with Dallas in the NFC East race. And the Eagles uh, snapped that two-game skid after two terrible defensive performances against Dallas and Minnesota the two prior weeks. And they beat a Buffalo team that uh, I think we see isn't as good as their record indicates. And the Eagles, obviously, uh, the second-best team that Buffalo has played this year behind New England. And for the Eagles, they haven't uh, been great at home from an ATS standpoint. They lost outright to Detroit back in Week 3. They didn't cover against Washington in Week 1, and they beat up uh, a Jets team without Sam Darnold back uh, in October, early October. So I think uh, Chicago might be worth a look here, getting some points on the road against the Eagles. It's a really interesting game here from that standpoint. We'll get back to the over-under, but just real quick, five points. Now, these are two teams, I think, defensively. This should be a defensive battle, right? Because you got one side where Wentz hasn't been doing very much. They've been trying to run the ball in Philadelphia. I get it. Deshaun Jackson's coming back, maybe, but he's going to have a lingering ab injury. And on the other side, with the Bears, Trubisky just can't get anything going. So five points to me does seem like a lot. Also, the Eagles, one and three against the spread as a favorite this year. So, you know, now you get back into that role. And and I think it's too holding that Philadelphia is the team. Oh, they look really good against Buffalo. And Buffalo is five and one. And the Bears don't look very good. And people are down on Trubisky, which they should be because he hasn't played well. But I think now that, you know, we look at uh, the – these expectations of the Eagles are that much better than the Bears. I don't know if they're that much better than the Bears. And Chicago at least played better defensively against the Chargers after the Saints kind of ate them up in the previous game and and even Oakland did to a certain extent a few weeks ago in London. But I think here that, uh, again, people are going to be high on the Eagles just because of what they saw, the the quote-unquote recency bias that we have in the NFL and that you know maybe Chicago here – 
with these points is worth a look and probably a, a low-scoring affair. All right, I'll, listen, it's the Jordan Howard revenge game, right, Dan? I mean, outside of that, give me a break. Carson Wentz hasn't even thrown for 200 yards in four of his last five games. He's not running as much. He threw 24 passes last week. Seven of those passes were screens. I mean, what is going on with this Philadelphia offense? It's just fascinating to me. Trubisky has not done anything to impress me. They're trying to get the run game going. It's obviously the strength of the Philadelphia defense. I mean, are there any position players you're looking at in this game, Dan? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, Wentz, probably the most disappointing maybe offensive player or one of the most disappointing offensive players this season from expectations going into it. I mean, he's only been over 25 fantasy points once this year. So it's kind of hard to believe that it's going to get it done here versus Chicago. Now the price is kind of down on him a little bit, but uh, I I don't think I'd go there unless it's a kind of mass multi-entry. You talk about the running backs, Jordan Howard, he was in for 73% of snaps last week, which is interesting and good because it's an uptick for him. Um, But Miles Sanders also left the game with an injury. Now Sanders, it doesn't sound like the injury is going to keep him out. If that would change, you might be a little bit more interest uh, there in Howard just because of the volume. And I'm not going to lie, like this Philadelphia team total is, you know, implied totals at 24. That's kind of sneaky high in this game. So uh, where I'm looking, though, is to buy low on guys. And, and man, this one's tough to swallow, but Zach Ertz yeah. is definitely somebody that I'm willing to uh, to buy low on here. Probably not on FanDuel because I don't think he's cheap enough there at 6K. But 4.7 on DraftKings could be viable, still playing 90% of snaps. And, and maybe having Deshaun Jackson back, which they're hopefully hap- you know, hopefully going to have this week, might actually help him out a little bit um, to maybe draw some double coverage there. So uh, really hard to get too excited about the Philadelphia side. And then Chicago, like you talked about, The one thing they do well is stop the run. And we saw last week David Montgomery kind of turned into a bell cow, but we can't play him versus this defense. We just can't do it. Uh, There's two guys that I'm looking at, three technically. Uh, One, Taylor Gabriel, 74% of snaps last week, only 3.9K on DraftKings, 4.9K on FanDuel. And this is a team that you can beat going downfield in Philadelphia. Now, Trubisky – it's hard to trust this guy. There's no question about it. But you'll see on DraftKings, when you try to build lineups this week, they raise the salary on just about everybody. So it's really hard to build lineups. So I think people are going to want to pay down at quarterback. And we've seen opposing QBs feast against this Philadelphia secondary. So if that's what you're looking at, uh, obviously, you know, Trubisky is in play there. And then uh, Allen Robinson is always in play. I think he's one of the best receivers in the game. Hey, that's a great play with Allen Robinson. I'm just not buying um, the downfall of the Philadelphia secondary right now since they're getting healthy again. You know, I think that's a that's a unit that's on the way up. So, K. Raj, 43 is the number here. Do they hit the over? Do they hit the under? I'm going to go with the under here. That when you look at that New Orleans game two weeks ago, that's probably the aberration out of all these games for Chicago. You know, they had a bad quarter against Oakland, but. They were great defensively against the Chargers. They just couldn't uh, close them out. But you you give up six against Minnesota, 15 against Washington, 14 against Denver, 10 against Green Bay. Those are pretty solid numbers. And, you know, even you go back to the playoff game last year at Soldier Field, the 16-15 game. And, uh, again, Wentz didn't play. But you guys have talked about Wentz's numbers haven't been great this year either. So I don't know if he's making that huge of a difference here from a passing standpoint. And, 
know, Philadelphia finally played well defensively this past week against Buffalo after they got lit up in the previous two weeks. My problem with the Eagles, I don't know which team I'm getting, you, you know, and, you know, you're getting a team that, that's losing by 27 points at Dallas, by 18 points at Minnesota, or you're getting a team that won at Green Bay and that, and that looked really good in that Thursday night game. So, you know, I would probably lean more towards under thinking this is going to be, you know, winner gets to 20 maybe. But, uh, you know, for Philadelphia, I'm sure they have a little bit of confidence now after that Buffalo game, at least defensively. Dan, obviously the Eagles defense is going to be in play. What about the Bears defense? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, like I said, that you know, implied team total of 24 is is a little bit higher than you'd come to expect in this game. And I actually think we're going to see more points. And, and I kind of cap this at like Philadelphia by like three and a half maybe. And <laughs> it's coming in at five. I, I looked the total at, at maybe 40 and it's 43. So I, I'm going to be keeping my eye on a betting perspective on, you know, the number of tickets and the, and the amount of money that's coming in on, on one side over another and, and see if we get line movement here because, um, you know, usually when I, I'm off maybe a half a point, a point, but to be almost two points off on a line is curious. So um, this this is a – I think a, a more interesting game than than most people are are making it out to be. All right, we got Indianapolis at Pittsburgh for our second game here, another one o'clock Eastern game. Uh, Colts minus one on the road, over under forty three and a half. A lot of this is going to have to do with injuries, K. Rodge, because we saw James Conner go down. I mean, listen, Mason Rudolph had a little bit of time to throw against that porous Miami defense. But let's face it, you know, the Steelers are in trouble, especially if Connor is gone in this one. Uh, just one point on the road for the Colts. That, to me, looks like a little mistake. And I, I feel like, is it a trap? Because it looks too good to be true. I know we hate throwing that word out, holding the trap or the team word. Uh, but uh, it's got to tell you something, that Pittsburgh coming off the short week and – you know, they fall into that 14 nothing hole against the Dolphins on Monday night, and uh, then they score the next 27 in that game. Uh, you know, I look at the Steelers, and Mason Rudolph did not play well, at least initially, and then he had that uh, touchdown pass before the half that was gift-wrapped to him because, A, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw that awful interception, and, B, the Dolphins' defense, that third and 20, just it, it's unbelievable. Well, let's, let's blitz on did. third and 20 with, like, 30 seconds left before. It's a good idea. Honest it's It's – I, I can't even believe – and you know what, too? Just a just quick sidebar on that. I was reading on Twitter last night, you know, Brian Flores, he didn't want to second-guess it. Like, really, dude? I mean, come on. I know like, we saw a screenshot of you yelling at the official and showing, you know, some passion, and that's fine. But, like, you can say – why is it so hard for these coaches to say, my bad, that was a mistake? Instead of being like, no, we stuck with this. Dude, you got burned on it before the half, and that changed the whole game. Why can't you just say, it's, you know what, my bad? People don't like to be accountable. I mean, bottom line, you know, everybody likes to make excuses. And uh, accountability is uh, something that you don't see very much anymore. Anyway, so that's all. That's my PSA. So we'll continue with the game. So public service announcement for those not in the business. Public service announcement, PSA. Thank you so much. They, this team has won three of four guys, uh, the Steelers, you know, so they've kind of woken up from the dead a little bit. And the Baltimore game, you can argue they probably should have won two, the game they lost uh, in overtime. And really, if you want to rewind it, the New England game, they got blown out of five. Seattle lost by two. San Francisco lost by four. They got totally outgained in that game, but they also had five takeaways. And they couldn't take advantage. And they beat Cincinnati. We know it doesn't have a win. The Ravens game, they had a shot to win. 
They had a nice game against the Chargers with a third-string quarterback. They beat the Dolphins. So Pittsburgh's actually playing pretty well and under the radar. And understandably, James Conner's hurt, and they have some guys beat up in the backfield, and Mason Rudolph is still young. But I look at the Colts, too. And they did sneak away with that win against the Broncos on Sunday, a game that Denver probably should have won. And Indianapolis coming in off three straight tough victories, going to Kansas City on the Sunday night winning, beating Houston in a huge divisional game, and staving off Denver. That I really wonder here, now going to Pittsburgh, tough environment. They've already won twice as a dog on the road against the Chiefs and the Titans. They had a tough loss to the Chargers. It just feels like it's a setup for Pittsburgh. I I really do that. People will look at Indianapolis, like you said, Holden, look at their record and say, why are they an underdog here? I think the Steelers may have a good shot to win this game because it's such a short line. Dan, DFS perspective here. Pittsburgh, middle of the pack against the run. So is Marlon Mack in play? We're on the road here, so – what do you do with T.Y. Hilton? And on the Pittsburgh side, yeah, the Colts have a hell of a defense, um, and they're very well coached by Frank Wright. And I get, I get it, K. Raj. I think that Houston's just going to be in a ton of close games against good teams and bad teams. It just doesn't matter with them. Brissett um, has had a few blow up games too, Dan. This is more this. If you could find the magic formula out of this game, you might win, be able to win a GPP. Uh, my estimation. So where are we looking? Yeah, I, I don't know that it's on the indie side here. I mean, Marlon Mack hasn't had a ceiling game since the opener against the Chargers, and he only played 61% of the snaps last game, and that was another tight game um, against Denver, one that they, they probably should have lost. So uh, it's hard for me to to click on him. T.Y. Hilton, he's okay on DraftKings at 6.5, but too expensive on FanDuel at 7, 7.5. Um, the guy that I'm looking at, as a punt just because the position is so volatile and that's maybe Eric Ebron um, still get some red zone volume and he is really cheap on, on both sides. And, and I don't mind punting the tight end if I don't feel particularly great about those high end guys, and especially on DraftKings this week with the tighter salary cap. Uh, I, I don't think he's one of the worst plays on the board. Now Pittsburgh, that's the side we, we need to talk about here a little bit. Uh, I, I think they win this game. Uh, I think it's it's baked mm. right into that line, like you said. Indy should have lost last week, uh, didn't play particularly well, kind of got bailed out there at the very end with that long pass play. Um, and uh, and I like Pittsburgh with the momentum that K-Rodge talked about. And, and Juju, you know, he hasn't obviously hit the expectations that we had for him before the year, but he's not all that bad and kind of uh, really came out last night with with a solid game. I mean, nine targets, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. He's only 6.3 on DraftKings, 7.3 on FanDuel. I'd probably rather play him than T.Y. Hilton if I'm looking at a quarterback or a wide receiver in this game. And then lastly, the running back position. Like you talked about, James Conner, we don't know of his status. Um, if he is out, uh, whoever is getting the lion's share of work, whether it's a Jalen Samuels or a Trey Edmonds, they're going to be viable because they are very, very cheap out there. And the one thing that we've seen from Pittsburgh is they love to check it down to the wide receivers. James Conner gets a ton of work in the pass game, and that's definitely going to happen to whoever takes his spot if he is out. So uh, Conner, uh, not super excited about him if he plays because of the injury, but if he's ruled out and, and we get – Samuels or Edmonds, uh, they could actually be chalked this week um, how, as value plays. How can you not bring up Deontay Johnson, though? I mean, especially uh, yeah. the GP. He's, he's the guy that Mason Rudolph is looking for. 
He's, you know, he is an option on FanDuel. I was, he's on my, my notes here. I don't think we need to go there on DraftKings, but on FanDuel, he's all right. I just, I mean, the price on Juju is not high enough where I'd rather go him. I mean, Johnson's been productive. There's no question about it, but uh, 43 and a half total. I mean, if you want to go there, you can, but uh, I don't know. Don't love it. Okay, Rods, 43 and a half. I would say over, considering that we saw, you know, a couple of good defensive, uh, a couple of good defensive efforts by the Steelers the last two weeks or two games rather than they had the buy in between the Chargers and the Dolphins game. But uh, I think that this total here, we could probably see a game that gets to maybe you know twenty four to twenty, twenty seven to twenty something in that range, uh, you know, obviously the Steelers got to feel a bit better, at least with Rudolph, uh, with the numbers they put up and yeah, they played the dolphins. I understand that even the Bengals. but when you look at the last four games for the Steelers and I get that Rudolph didn't play in the charger game, but 27, 24, 23, 27, they're scoring, you know, they're putting up some points, which is a good thing. And Indianapolis, even though they are good defensively, they have had a couple games where, you know, they have blown up, even though it's been a bit inconsistent, but they have the weapons there to at least get somewhere in the early twenties or the low twenties. So I think this is one that could potentially go over the total. Yeah. On rotor grinders, we have a thing with our DFS lineup builders that are called conviction plays. And we got two real, two, three really good players that come up with the guys they feel the most strong about for me. That seems like you have zero conviction about the over under on that. You would be the anti conviction play. <laughs> I, you know, I just look at it. I just don't think that, you know, these teams will have a 17-13 game. I think that they have the ability to go, uh, you know, up and down the field, even though in the Pittsburgh game on Monday night that uh, the Steelers did have, in a sense, a short field after the Fitzpatrick interception starting at the 50 and, and you know, even throwing out the third and 20 play that they still did have to go down the field. But also, got to give the Steelers credit on this, that on the Mika Fitzpatrick second interception all the way, way deep in their own territory – Rudolph took him down for a 97-yard drive. So we can't just say that the Steelers are taking advantage of turnovers and scoring on short fields. So that was a good thing to see that he took him down the field, and he's not the next Ben Roethlisberger. We see that. But for what they have now, he's given them a chance to win, and I don't see why they don't have a chance to win in this game against the Colts. All right, let's get to the Jets in Miami. Uh, Do you hear the news? There's news. There's news that legitimately is – I don't What's say the news? I haven't. I have. It's just. I don't know. I, Adam Gase's eyes fell out. What the the Daily News is learned that apparently the Jets are amendable to be uh, to trade Le'Veon Bell before the trade deadline today at four o'clock. They should trade everything. I mean, what a disaster that organ. You know, you saw it yesterday too. I loved how the Jaguars showed all the highlights in-game of them picking off Sam Darnold with the Ghostbusters theme behind it. I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant marketing there. Brilliant whatever He's the hell not going to live that down, man. Like, that's uh, going to be with him until he ends up getting that team to the playoffs. Well, Everybody is going to be uh, talking about ghosts and Stan- Sam Darnold together. Uh, Jets at Miami, New York, three-point favorites, over-under, 40-and-a-half. Two suck teams. I mean, I thought the Dolphins had a chance to get the Steelers. Man, they were up. They had it. They were rolling. They did end up. Uh, it was. It fitted. The line closed at fourteen, 
and Pittsburgh won by 13. It was just, it was so excruciating. Um, either side you were on there, but K Raj, Jets minus three. I mean, how do you, on the road, the Jets are favorites? This is just, what, what, I'm going to do what you're doing right now. <laughs> this is how the slate is going that we got to talk about this one. No, I should be, I should do the Adam Gase. Yeah, right. <laughs> Still set. money to be yeah. won, boys. Come on. No, no that's no, why no. we're talking you, about it. Dan, <laughs> Dan is 100% right. If it's on the board, it's got a line. You yep. still have a chance to win, so that's all that matters. And look, the Dolphins have won – or excuse me, they haven't won a game yet this season. They've covered their last three games. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting – I don't even know what year this is. The Dolphins have covered three straight games, so that's good. So at least this is a team that's a little more competitive as, as opposed to what we saw earlier in the year. But also on the flip side, they're not playing the Patriots or the Ravens or the Cowboys. They're playing teams that they can actually compete with. Now, as far as the Jets go, second straight trip to Florida, coming off a loss to Jacksonville last week. And uh, obviously the Jets have to be favored here because they're not the Dolphins. So the Dolphins aren't favored (laughs) against anybody when Washington's laying six to them a few weeks ago. But this is the shortest spread they're seeing all season long. And, again, with the Le'Veon Bell news, we don't know if he's going to stay with the Jets or if he's going to get traded. And you would hope that Sam Darnold would finally wake up this week. And the worst part is Sam Darnold played really well against Dallas. You know, you say, what happened after that? New England happened, which obviously they have a great defense that's going to set records, it feels like, this year. And Jacksonville's pretty good defensively. And now they face a Dolphins team that – uh, again, they took advantage of an early turnover last night to have a short field to score the first touchdown, but they got 14 in the first, no points in the final three quarters. And really, they weren't even, it, it never felt like they were even close to scoring another touchdown in any of those three quarters. But as far as the Jets go, I don't know how you make an argument. I don't know how you make an argument for e- either team. It's just so hard because the Jets have been dreadful, the Dolphins have been dreadful. And even though there's a line on this game, and I, I, I hate to say I don't, I don't have an opinion because there's, it's so hard to make a case for either team. See, I actually kind of think there's a, a couple of angles here from a DFS perspective, Dan. You know, Fitzmagic is in there. Maybe he could throw a couple touchdowns. Neither uh, team could stop anything defensively. Neither team has good offenses. But, you know, at least we could see Le'Veon Bell – is still on this team, and maybe he can get going, especially on a PPR site like DraftKings, Jamison Crowder. Yeah, at one point in time, Darnold and Crowder were supposed to be a terrific combination. So, you know, we laugh about this game. We should laugh about this game. These are two horrendous teams, and I see your point there. I, I really don't have a great feel on this from a sports bet from a betting perspective. But Dan, I think that there are some some rocks you got to you got to overturn, and you might find a couple of gems. Yeah, and I think there's going to be news here. I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday, kind of midday. And, you know, if there's trades that happen, that that could really change the landscape of of DFS, especially from the Jets' perspective, because you're right, Le'Veon Bell is in a plum matchup here. Now, DraftKings, they really priced him up. He's the third most expensive running back on the slate, just behind McCaffrey and Cook. Um, but he's only 7K there on FanDuel, which I think is really tasty. Admittedly, that's only a half-point PPR, but uh, I have a tough time not seeing him you know, explode in this matchup here against the Dolphins. So I like him on FanDuel if he's still on the team. And same kind of goes for Robbie Anderson, another guy who uh, a, a lot of people think is going to get dealt today. Uh, if he does get dealt, then maybe we look at a guy like 
uh, Jamison Crowder, or maybe even Demarius Thomas. I know it sounds weird, but that dude's been getting a ton of looks in this offense. And again, we're starving for value here on a Tuesday, and he's only 4K on DraftKings. And it, it looks like Xavier Howard got pretty banged up last last night, so I'd be almost surprised if he plays. So that secondary could be more vulnerable than it already is. And then the Dolphins side, um, you could go Fitzpatrick here against the Jets. He is at home. Uh, we've seen him have ceiling games before. The question is, who do you pair him up with? And it looks like it's Devontae Parker. I mean, he's at eight and ten targets over the last two games here. Um, and Or you just play the Jets D and move on. That, that, that might just be the play. So um, don't play Mark Walton, though. That guy's not any good. I know he, he gets a lot of snaps and, and carries. Don't play Mark Walton. There's got to be something in that game. Don't play Mike Gusecki either. I'm going to – I'm going to end up fading him. It's Devon, maybe Devontae Parker. Might be Parker's game. Parker's had some terrific uh, games up to – what do you have, like three straight games, double digits? Or he had three games with a touchdown, I think. So good for Devontae Parker. Over under 45. Kevin, seems like you love this game. You know, I grew up a Jets fan. I lost my fandom when I started playing fantasy. Uh, you're in, in Miami. You love the Dolphins. You you live and die with them. You've been dying with them lately. You're basically a corpse. And uh, 40 and a half. What do you think? Well, last year we had two unders, 20 to 12 and 13 6. The Dolphins beat the Jets twice. And Sam Darnold threw six interceptions in those games. So just a little point there if that really doesn't mean much considering the Dolphins don't have anybody defensively and uh, Adam Gase <laughs> is now with the Jets so really it doesn't matter but just letting you know that Darnold did throw six picks in those games both games stayed under I can't expect a shootout I, I can't do yeah. it because the Jets can't move the ball and again if, if Le'Veon isn't isn't there then who the Jets have really I mean because Sam Darnold is, isn't doing much himself so I just got to think that this one will stay under for no reason other than these teams aren't good and if Le'Veon it does not play if like they trade him then like Ty Montgomery is probably going to be one of the top values on the slate so. Well, Powell yeah he was getting run last week too was he I, I haven't I admittedly haven't dug, dug that much into the backup but I know Montgomery looked the better part earlier this year and certainly in the preseason. So. Well, then again, that's, I, I only watched about five minutes of that game. And, of course, he got, you know, he got a couple carries then. So, don't yeah, he got four carries against the Jaguars. Didn't you watch the Jaguars? Isn't that your team? No, man. I was uh, – I had, I had golf this weekend. I had my, my, my yearly golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah. We won our flight, so props to me. All right, don't do, don't do Bilal Powell. Stay away from Bilal Powell. Let me pick up my sheet here. All right, guys, we got uh, – Tampa Bay at Seattle. We got Seattle six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Over-under is 51-and-a-half. So I just wrote a couple – I jotted down a couple of notes here. Tampa Bay's allowing 68-and-a-half yards rushing. So they're terrific against the run. They're really good against the run. Yeah. 81 per in the last three. Tampa Bay's the second-worst against the pass, though. So, Dan, you and I will have to talk about Russell Wilson and the pass catchers. Seattle, though, they stink against the pass, too. Now, that being said – Instead of going starting with the line, K-Raj, can we just talk about the over-under for a second? 51 and a half because Vegas is expecting some points. And, you know, the Seattle defense just in the same defense. Pete Carroll yesterday, I watched his post-game press conference uh, or his day after press conference. Oh, the defense got a lot better. The defense has so many holes in it still. It's a big talking point up there in Seattle, and it should be. They're winning these games with offense. A little bit of special teams, too. But let's start with the over, 51 and a half. 
This is the highest total Tampa Bay is seeing since week one against San Francisco, which was 51. It was a 31-17 game. And if you remember, there were three defensive touchdowns in that game, two by the Niners and one by the Bucks. So really, we get to these high totals and uh, it stayed under. And granted, it was week one. We didn't know much about the 49ers and what they would become. But the last few weeks, the, the totals have been uh, a bit lower. It was 45 against Tennessee on Sunday. We had a 48.5 against Carolina in London, 46 against New Orleans. So now you're getting up to the 50s. And with Tampa Bay, what's just so interesting is that they beat the Rams in that 55-40 to 40 game. You said, hey, maybe the Bucs aren't that bad, and they've just been torched the last few weeks. And understandably, they gave up 40 in that game to the Rams. But so far, I feel like that Daniel Jones game uh, against the Giants when they were up 18, that was the one that set it backwards. You know, that's the one where it kind of felt like the Buccaneers were maybe turning the corner because they had beat Carolina the previous Thursday. They beat the Giants. They're 2-1. They have some momentum. They lost that game. And, and it, uh, even though they beat the Rams the next week, it, it still feels like Tampa Bay, that that, that kind of uh, set their season back a little bit. So this defense is just terrible. And when you look at Seattle and what they've done, at least, uh, you know, last week, they gave up a ton of yardage to Matt Schaub. And, and granted, Seattle's up 24 nothing in that game. So Atlanta's just throwing, 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 which they've done all year because they've been behind in all these games. But uh, at least in some of the home games, though, guys, they've allowed 30 points to Baltimore, 29 to the Rams, and 33 to New Orleans, even 20 to Cincinnati. And that was a game where Andy Dalton threw for over 400 yards. So you're right, Seattle's defense, they definitely have taken some hits this year. And this is the highest total that Seattle is seeing as well. So, I mean, you would think that you'd want to ride that. But probably, you know, in the end, this could end up being a 27-21, 27-24 game when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think it's a really sexy over-under, to tell you the truth. And I'm trying to to figure out myself. We're early here in the week. But, Dan, more sexy than anything else are the DFS options. So let's start on the Seattle side first. I know the passing game is going to be very juicy. But what about Chris Carson? I mean, last week we saw Rashad Penny get some more run, right? We know Tampa Bay's decent against the run. I don't, I'm not worried about it. I think Chris Carson's still you know, going to run over just about anybody. Hopefully he can get the work in the passing game. But what about the Seattle run game? What's your take on Carson? What's your take on Rashad Penny coming up a little bit? I mean, I hope Penny gets traded, to tell you the truth, because I love Chris Carson. I want to see him getting all the work. But what about the Seattle running game? Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the porous Tampa Bay running game as well. Yeah, I, I am not really too interested in Carson this week. I mean, Tampa Bay is there's a big enough track record, I think, to 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 bear out that they're good versus the run. And mm-hmm. he's got volume, but he's also got a higher price tag than we've seen most of this season. And that's what DFS is about: is you know finding value and in, in building these lineups accordingly. And I just don't think he fits the build this week. I, I think Tampa on the other end. It's, it's a tough one here because we saw Matt Schaub throw for like 450 yards last week against the Seattle defense. Um, obviously, this is outdoors, a little bit different game environment, but uh, Jameis Winston has been over 300 yards in four out of his last five games. He's only 6,100 there on DraftKings. So, you know, you get that 300-yard bonus. That's five free fantasy points for you. So uh, I think he's absolutely viable, but the problem is – uh, you look at the the pass catchers, and you got Evans and Godwin as like the most expensive guys on FanDuel and and pretty much on DraftKings too. Now the good thing is it's pretty much those two guys, and that's it. Um, you know you're not 
having four or five different pass catchers to deal with. The running backs are completely out of the equation there with Tampa. So kind of makes it an easy target. It's just whether or not you can find enough value elsewhere to make it work. And if you're if you're rostering Evans or Godwin, you're probably not getting like McCaffrey or Cook this week, who have just been studs every single week. So that's the challenge of trying to figure out this this puzzle this week. But uh, you got to love both sides of this one. Russell Wilson should put up big numbers against this kind of funnel defense to the pass. And you know Lockett and Metcalf. Metcalf probably had the worst two-touchdown fantasy game I've ever seen last week. He finished with, like, 12 fantasy points after scoring, like, two touchdowns. And Lockett, on the other hand, he has, like, the worst, like, eight-catch, 100-yard game you could ever see because he's really only had one ceiling game all season long. I think there's more coming there, and maybe this is the spot. Um, But, again, the price is kind of up on him. So, uh, it's all about roster construction this week, and it's tough to get these guys in. I don't think... A lot of people are going to go there in cash, but we've seen game stacks with Tampa be tournament winners. So I like it in tournaments. Uh, so the, the the line here, six and a half. Seattle's given six and a half at home. K-Raj, um, you know, I'm still not sold on Tampa Bay. I think any week, Jameis Winston can't throw four or five picks. I know Bruce Arians said none were his fault last week. I think if you look at a few of the plays, they were absolutely his fault. He's one of the worst decision-makers on and off the field. If you combine on-field decision-making and off-field decision-making, Jameis Winston is probably the worst decision-maker in the NFL right now. So six and a half, you comfortable with that? You know, I would look at Tampa Bay and say this is the week that they're going to cover and they'll get blown out, and I'll take Seattle, and somehow Tampa Bay will hang in this game. And and <laughs> you look back at that Tennessee game last week, and understandably the refereeing has been very questionable at times throughout the NFL, and they blow that play dead on the fake field goal that Tampa Bay picked up and would have scored the go-ahead touchdown there. So you can say, well, Tampa Bay maybe could have had the lead in that one. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you, you can't take away how bad this defense has been. And, and like you said, holding to try to trust Jameis Winston is very difficult. And Seattle uh, coming back home after beating Atlanta last week, and they kept the Falcons in the game. But uh, still, I, I think that I don't – I mean, I don't love the game, but I probably lean Seattle just because I don't want to trust Tampa Bay. But on the flip side with the Buccaneers, they've covered four straight as a dog – of six points or more dating back to last year, and they beat the Rams and Panthers outright in that role. So we know they're capable as a bigger underdog to cover and win, but at the same time, I just don't want to trust them. I I really don't. And the other note with Seattle, which is a negative, that they have not covered a game yet at home. So you kind of wonder what's going to go the right way this week if Seattle finally covers a home game or if the Buccaneers can keep this uh, underdog streak alive as a dog of six or more. You know, K-Rog, from a DFS perspective, we've got a lot of guys that are just now starting to get into sports betting and stuff like that. So if you could take just a second, because I think a DFS, Dan, I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't look as much as past performance as I do future performance. Um, and you're shaking your head yes. So, I mean, how much do you take the past performance they've covered four times as a road dog? How much do you have to take that into account when you're really betting on something that's happening in the future? 
I understand what you're saying. And one of the things is you have to, A, I look more into this season. I know I threw in the four straights going back to the end of last year. But this season, I think it means something, just like with Seattle, that they haven't covered yet at home, that somehow they haven't had that blowout yet. So are they due for it? You don't know. But also you got to look at personnel that, you know, if this is happening with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, and they've been together for six or seven years, then that means something. But Arizona, let's just say, it's hard to look back at last year because Kyler Murray wasn't there and Cliff Kingsbury wasn't there. So you got to kind of throw out what they did last year because you have all new personnel there at the head coaching position and at the quarterback positions. So, you know, I guess that's where you have to – nothing is definitive. You know, you can't just say, well, this team is covered. Like, for instance, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had won 17 straight Monday night games or whatever the number was. What does that mean? Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback for most of those, and he wasn't playing last night, and he didn't play against Cincinnati. That wouldn't mean an automatic play on Miami necessarily. I would just take the Dolphins because that was too many points for the Steelers to lay, and they hadn't laid anything that high all year. So that's kind of where I go, and I'm not taking Pittsburgh because they've won a Monday night for 15, 16, whatever straight time. So you got to look at it and see – the players involved, how many you have, at least the main players, if they are part of that history or not. And if they're not, then you got to kind of weed it out. So you just got to take them all one at a time, I think. Well, I think that's, Dan, kind of from a DFS side. I know it's a little game theory, but T.Y. Hilton shreds Team X every single year, right? And he's got Houston, five games. Yeah, yeah Houston. So, that, right. So he shreds Houston every year, but I'm just going to play him because he shreds Houston. I mean, to yeah, me, no, I think more goes into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, especially when you get do new coordinators and cornerbacks and and quarterbacks, you know, going from Brissett to uh, from Andrew Luck. Like, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And, and again, I'm living in the present, especially now because we've got so much data from this season. We can see which teams are good versus the run, which teams are. Are, are, are better versus the pass, which teams give it up to the tight end. So, um, yeah, I don't put a ton of stock in, in pass performances. I'll look at it, but it's never, and I mean never, just the deciding factor on, on which way I go. All right, last game here, Minnesota-Kansas City. It's an interesting one. FanDuel has Minnesota uh, minus two and a half. So who the hell knows what's going on at quarterback for the Chiefs? How many points, K-Raj, is Pat Mahomes worth? I mean, is it just five? Because one book has him at plus two and a half, the other has him minus two and a half. Is it six? Is it seven? How many points is Patrick Mahomes worth? I feel like I saw somewhere it could be between seven and eight. That's what I I heard. That's what I think. Because think about it like this. If the Chiefs play the Packers last Sunday night and Patrick Mahomes plays, what are the Chiefs laying? Three or four maybe? Instead, Green Bay was laying four and a half. So I got to think that the swing is so huge. I don't – I'm not a doctor. I only play one on the internet. I don't know how in the world Patrick Mahomes comes back now and plays even in this game. I would have thought that he would play maybe in a few weeks, but to say a dislocated kneecap and he had practiced last week and now he could play maybe, I don't know how he rolls out there and does it now. He did practice last week, though. That's the whole thing. Like, he went out there, he worked. There were four quarterbacks working. The first day he was the fourth out of four. The next time he was the second out of four. I know maybe they were trying to put something in Green Bay's head, but this guy is different. Adrian Peterson, he's a robot. Different type of person. I think that might be the case with Mahomes. It could be, or maybe the injury wasn't as bad as we thought it was, that that they initially thought it was going to be a season ender, and maybe it's not, and they're just trying to you know keep it 
you know, make, make it look like he's not as hurt as he really is. I'm not sure. But as far as this game goes with the Vikings, who I am not surprised at all they did not cover against Washington. I had them last week, the Redskins, and just thought that line was way too inflated after they beat Detroit and they had all these great offensive games that the Washington game was a, let's get through this. We know the Redskins aren't good. It's a Thursday night game, short week. Let's just get through, win, be gone, and we got Kansas City coming up the next week. So now Minnesota can focus on Kansas City, and Kirk Cousins has played much better, which is a good thing because he got called out by his receivers, and then he threw 10 touchdown passes in three games. So he woke up, and we know how good the Vikings are defensively. I just think that, you know, with the Chiefs, it's a team that's lost three straight at home. I mean, think about that for a second. That, you know, they they were down pretty much that whole game to Indianapolis. They blew the Houston game. And Green Bay, they were down, they came back, they took the lead, and then they just lost to a team that's contending for the best team in the NFC that, uh, you know, again, we have to wait and see what Mahomes' status is for this week. But at the same time, I don't know how you trust the Chiefs in this spot just because Minnesota, without Mahomes, Minnesota's a better team. you got to try to look at the Vikings. Hey, Dan, I am interested in hearing your thoughts on this from a betting perspective, too. I mean, yeah. To, like, where are we going this early in the week? Where's the line going to move? Is, is, how much action is on it? Well, I, I'm seeing two, two spots right now. You know, FanDuel is at minus two and a half right now in favor of Minnesota. And Circa has actually uh, now moved it to Minnesota minus one. They were Kansas City, I guess, hmm. plus two earlier this morning when I was looking at it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's clearly telling you that Mahomes is, is – likely not going to play, at least from their perspective. But I think a simple question to ask ourselves, and maybe Kevin can can comment on this since he follows the gambling side of it so much, is what was the line on the game that was just played? What was it when it was Green Bay against um, against Kansas City? Was it like seven? Was that, was that the number? What, the closing number? Yeah, what was the closing Four and a half, number? wasn't it? Four and a half. Green Bay was laying four and a half. Okay, it was four and a half on that one. Okay, so I thought it was a larger number than that because this two and a half number doesn't really feel right to me. Like, I feel Minnesota should be a bigger favorite than this. They've been playing well, and, you know, you look at, yes, the competition hasn't been great lately, and we've talked about it on the show, how Cousins isn't particularly good against better defenses, but Kansas City doesn't fall into that equation at all. I mean, I have no idea how they're going to stop Dalvin Cook. They have not stopped a running back all season long, and now they get the league leader and a guy who is, uh, you know, just eating up defenses week after week. I mean, he is the top play on this slate, no questions asked. And uh, I think they should be closer to that four-point favorite mark here because I don't even think they're that much worse than the uh, than the Green Bay Packers are. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of curiosity that I have on this one. But, you know, Minnesota, I'm going to give you the, the the two guys that I love. One, Dalvin Cook. And then two, Adam Thielen on yep. FanDuel is like 7-1. Like, that is just egregious pricing over there. He's the uh, 12th highest-priced wide receiver on FanDuel. He is the first highest-priced receiver on DraftKings. So, FanDuel kind of dropped the ball on that one. Um, and then I think on the Kansas City side, we got to see how, you know, things shake out here in, in the running game. I mean, I would love for them to be like, okay, we're going to give it to Damian Williams. He's going to be our guy. He's cheap at 4K on DraftKings, but, you know, he's still splitting sa- snaps with LaShawn McCoy and didn't really touch the ball until the second half. So we probably can't go there. 
the one guy that I, I think we can play a little bit is Travis Kelsey on FanDuel. I think the salary cap is softer over there. And, uh, and again, I what's mean, he going to have Moore, a blow up game though? I mean, this is like, I, he's, he's just he's flat. Yeah, I know. And, and Mahomes is a huge downgrade for him, but his price is, is as low as it's been in a, in a long time over on FanDuel. And again, like, who are our options that we that we have at tight end this week that we just absolutely love? And there isn't many guys, and they're all kind of priced around him on FanDuel. So I'll still take you know a guy who's going to get a large target share in Kelsey in this matchup uh, versus Minnesota. Um, a guy like Nicole Hardman, you know, had a big play last game, but only played like eighteen percent of snaps. So so don't fall for that play. But uh, you know, obviously, we'll see on Mahomes' news if if he goes. Uh, and very doubtful, but if he does. This game has major shootout, you know, capabilities to it. Go, go, put you on the spot. Name me two of the top three scoring tight ends on Fanduel last week. Two of the three highest scoring. Oh man, Um, I'm I'm putting you on the spot, so I'm not, you know, last week I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm going to give them to you in order. This is from Ryan Griffin. Okay, two touchdowns. Darren Fells, John Smith. Yeah, exactly. What is that? What is that? What the hell is going on in the tight end and position? And all those today? guys could give you a bagel this week. They so, probably will. Like, <laughs> there's just so much variance at that position so far this year, where last year was like Kelsey scoring a touchdown every single game. And if you look at a lot of his like receiving stats, it's not a downgrade at all from last season. The numbers are on par. It's just the touchdowns have not gone his way. So it's hard to believe that it's necessarily going to happen with Matt Moore under center, but – it's got to happen eventually, so I'm going to keep pressing that button in, in spots where it makes sense. Hey, Kevin, real quick, because we talked about what Mahomes might be worth to a line, right? Is it six? Is it seven? Is it eight points? What's an injured Pat Mahomes worth to the line, though? If Minnesota's two-and-a-half-point favorite, you're not getting 100% Pat Mahomes. So do we go from seven points down to four? Like, what is Mahomes worth if he plays this week? I mean, obviously, you got to move it in Kansas City's favor. That even even Mahomes injured is still better than Matt Moore. And I got to think, I mean, you say injured, uh, probably you know you bump it down a little bit. If that's the case, if let's just say it's two and a half, if Minnesota's a two and a half point favorite now, and we get towards game time, and Mahomes. Uh, he's going to start the game for the Chiefs. I got to think that Kansas City swings to maybe a one-point favorite. Mm. Maybe it gets to that, maybe two. But but there's no way that this line doesn't move at all with right. uh, with Mahomes coming in, even not right. Because really, we know he's not not right. He's just probably not 100%. But we know that he's not walking out there like Willis Reed either. I mean, I got to think that he still can move if he's practicing. And they're five and three, you know, and Oakland is next in the division at three and four. So they've got a little bit of uh, room there. So they, it's, not, it's not like they've got somebody nibbing on their heels to, to, to win the division. So, I mean, I think it's crazy for them to rush him back. But you never know. Hey, guys, we have a couple of extra minutes at the end of the show. And uh, I just put Dan on the spot. K. Raj, I don't know how much you've looked at the – Regular season MVP player futures here, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is plus 300 right now. Wilson's 350. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, 500. So, Dan, let's start with you just real quick. And, yeah, K-Rodg, as far as talking about these players, I don't expect you to have them up. Uh, it's my fault for not telling you beforehand. But, you know, the I hand- forgive you. It's fine. The f- Thank you very much for being so forgiving. You know, the four guys I just mentioned here, Mahomes is at 950. Dalvin Cook's at plus 2,000. 
Um, so if you're looking here, is there any value, Dan, from the MVP side of things? And K. Roger, I want to get your thoughts on this in just a second, but where are you going? Because for me, it's still Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think there's a little bit more value in Rookie of the Year, which we'll talk about next. But I, I like Lamar Jackson at plus 500 here. Um, I think that, you know, this guy's probably going to break the single-season rushing record for a quarterback. And, you know, Baltimore, I don't see this team really slowing down. And it's, if somehow they can make a trade to get a little bit of a veteran presence at the wide receiver spot, that's going to really, I think, help this team out. And he has been – just incredible to watch this season. Aaron Rodgers had a great year. There's no question about it. And yes, you know, we know the history of him and he's a Hall of Famer, but I, I think voters like the new blood. And and I think they they like seeing just amazing performances, especially that are outside the the realm of normalcy at the at the uh, position. And that's what Lamar Jackson gives us. So uh, I like him. He's healthy. And uh, I think that team's going to be good. And then I think Christian McCaffrey at plus 1500 is is somewhat sneaky here because he is having an unbelievable season so far. He's just carrying this offense on his back. I don't know if he can continue to do it over the course of the entire season, but we're getting, what, plus 1,500 on him. Um, not often do running backs get it, but he is having a uh, a season for the ages right now. So uh, I think there's a little value there. K-Rogs, question for you. I mean, is, is there really value? Are we betting value when we're looking at player props? And futures like this, I look at it, and I and I hate to to burst any bubbles, but I don't want to take long shots. Me if neither. Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers and obviously Mahomes was the favorite before he got hurt, and the number has dropped on him, but Aaron Rodgers, when you look at what he's done the last few weeks, and he struggled to start the season, struggled. Okay, he didn't put up numbers. Let's put it that way because they were three and zero. So let's not make it out to be like he was ten. Terrible. They just didn't put up great numbers. But the last few weeks, the five touchdowns against Oakland, the three touchdowns against Kansas City on Sunday night, that guy's thrown 16 touchdowns already, 2,300 yards halfway through the season. And Russell Wilson has also put up terrific numbers. You can't take away from him. But, you know, to look at guys that are a little higher on the board, or I guess lower per se on the board, I just don't know if Christian McCaffrey is going to be the MVP. I just can't see it where Carolina is a team that could end up going eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven, where I think these voters want to go with players that are on winning teams. And Green Bay will be there. They've proven that so far this year. Uh, Seattle's in the mix as well. That I mean, Dalvin Cook maybe could be worth the flyer just because the Vikings have played well, but I don't know if he would get it necessarily unless he has 2,000 yards or something crazy like that. But I really believe that go with the, the chalky guys because I think they are the ones that will end up being there in the end with these awards. I mean, maybe it's different with Rookie of the Year where you could take a flyer on someone, but I just think that you have only a few guys that really have a shot at winning that award. I think it's kind of the same thing over on the other side, Dan. Uh, the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, Kyler's at plus 150, Kyler Murray, Jacobs at 200, Minshew at 500. I mean, Daniel Jones at 1,600, but he hasn't played that well. Terry McLaurin, are you going to give it to a wide receiver? Um, maybe Daryl Henderson, if his role grows with with no. uh, Todd Gurley. Stop. I'm just throwing it out there. They're oh. a 50-50 share. Maybe Gurley gets hurt the last six games of the season. He goes bananas and gets himself in a conversation. Like I said, 
you know, I, to me, it's it's probably going to be Kyler Murray unless he gets hurt. Jacobs at least is getting the ball, and your boy is probably Minshew, right? Because he has a mustache. Well, I, I I think it boils down, and and I would wait to see what happens here this week with Gardner Minshew. If if they go to London and they beat Houston, he's going to be the starter, I think, coming out of the bye. If they lose that game, I think they go to Nick Foles and he's got no chance. But you can't tell me right now that Gardner Minshew has not been a better quarterback than Kyler Murray this year. He absolutely has. And, you know, he's he's definitely got a great personality to him. He's been, uh, you know, spotlighted all over the place. I think at plus 500, especially if we can get that number off of a win this week, I think there's extraordinary value there. Now, Josh Jacobs has probably had the you know, it's probably the safest pick. Like I, I'm not, I like Kyler Murray and he's had some, some tough matchups the last couple of weeks, but he's not, you know, the numbers that he's putting up are, are, are far from spectacular. And if you look, you know, the, the pace that we were talking about with Arizona, it's not as extreme as I think anybody thought it was going to be coming into the season. So, um, I like Minshew at plus 500 and I know he's got no quarterback, but Terry McLaurin's probably been the best kind of rookie in terms of looking to the future. Like, who looks like the surest thing out there? It's probably Terry McLaurin because he's produced with absolutely garbage under center. Problem is, he's going to continue to have garbage under center the rest of the year. So, uh, plus 2,000 on him. Again, I like getting a little bit of value there. I don't want to pay plus 150 on Kyler Murray. Like, no thanks. Like, that's no, – no. I'm with you on McLaurin. I think Josh Jacobs is right there too. But, you know, K-Rod, I thought Dan kind of alluded to an interesting point here. I don't even know if you, know if you made it. But it's also about hype, isn't it? You know, yeah. these, these, these awards, it's not just about production. Like, Kyler Murray's probably going to win this thing, even though he hasn't been the best rookie. Like – you're right. McLaurin but is the hype been... more on, on Kyler or Minshew? I'd say it's on Minshew over Kyler. Oh, it's not on – it's in, it's on Are Minshew you, am, am in Jacksonville. Yes, you're in Jacksonville. In, in Jacksonville here? Yes. Everybody loves this guy and nobody talks about him anywhere? I mean, You're in Jacksonville. That's why. It actually – I think it works against him because he's in Jacksonville. What do you think? Come on, split the difference here, K-Raj. I see where Dan's going with it, and, you know, it's probably a little bit – I don't want to call it East Coast bias, but even Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew, you know, the look, all that other stuff, and Kyler Murray's kind of buried in Arizona. I think what Kyler Murray needs is a signature win. And if they beat San Francisco Thursday or if they were to beat Seattle on the road later in the season or beat the Rams, that would really be helpful. And, you know, even Gardner Minshew, the Thursday night against Tennessee – Granted, you know, it wasn't uh, a great game. He had two early touchdown passes in that one. It kind of – people are paying attention to that where Arizona, the three wins are against Cincinnati, who's winless, beat the Giants. They had, they had a nice win against Atlanta, and Atlanta's terrible. But you got to get that signature win. I think that's what uh, what Kyler Murray is missing. And if he gets that, then maybe he will – he could be the runaway rookie of the year candidate. But – I just think that's what's been missing with him. And he's put up good numbers, but uh, who's really noticed? All right, guys, this was a lot of fun this week. Love it. It always is. One of my favorite shows to do all week long, no matter what the platform is. Uh, K-Rod, speak now, forever hold your peace until next week at least. What do you got to plug? What do you want to say? You can find me on Twitter at VI Rogers. Do you use product in your hair? I don't. I This is dry. How do you get it so puffy? Do you blow dry it? No, I don't know how to blow dryer. Air dry. Dan. 
Uh, yeah, I this, haven't used a blow dryer is... in years. Oh, let's Dad, not talk I about... didn't mean to make let's, you let's feel not, bad. Let's not oh, talk Dad. about hair with the bald I'm guy. I'm sorry, buddy. Like, I'm absolutely brutal. Well, I got a bald eagle. I was going to use there it during the eagles Thanks. thing, but I didn't do Thanks. it. Thanks. We um, had unicorns that have a ton of stuffies in there. One uh, promo for you to talk yeah. up a little bit this week for our uh, our college football product. It's a little bit separate of our normal Roto-Grinders mm. premium, but we're running a special now through the end of the year, 100 bucks. We'll get you every single mm. week, including the bowl games, and that means access to our lineup HQ, all of our tools, our Discord chat, and uh, college football. If you have not tried it for DFS, it is just a ton of fun. It's like the NFL, but on steroids because guys throw for like 400 yards and then rush for 100 and have like six touchdowns. So it, it, it's a ton of fun. And again, get in on it now. It's a great value through the through the end of the year if you get in on it now through uh, bowl season. I was actually using that. And I was you did something, and I saw your picks, and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to throw a lineup in. We'll have some fun and try it out, like the Vegas Insider guys are doing with DFS. And then I tried to put it in. They're like, eh, you can't do it in Colorado. So. Yeah, that's the one drawback. Make sure you can play yeah. the game <laughs> Make in whatever sure I was, state you're in. I was like, I actually did some work here. I want to play a lineup, and I can't. I can't even bet in game. That's the other thing. You know, in-game showdown. Can't do it out here. So, bummer, dude. Follow me at Holden Radio on Twitter. That's it. Week 9, lines and lineups. For K-Rodge, Dan Bach, I'm Holden Kushner, Devin back in Nashville. Adios. We'll catch you next week.